In a world where sports rule the airways, there are two who dare to break from the norm. It's time for the Movie Zone, starring Austin Horton and Johnny Lightfoot. Now playing on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. The Movie Zone, back at it, ready for some more. I'm Austin. He's Johnny. Hi, Johnny. Hi, buddy. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, we survived rivalry week here on The Zone. We did. Some people happy, some people very sad. Uh, but it's all good for us in the sports media That's world. That's right. We love it all. I was trying to explain this to somebody, uh, a big, big Utah fan. So okay. I, didn't, I wasn't surprised that they didn't really grasp what I was going for here. But it's good that BYU won that game for one reason. It's a selfish reason. Okay. The rivalry, this the the sports media in this town it is jazz and college football. Sure. That, I agree those with are that. the kings. Mm-hmm. Once the jazz are gearing up around January, February, forget about everything else. It's the jazz. Once the jazz are done, forget about everything else. It's college football. We need more coverage of a uh, uh, the pong game. The, the beer pong. No, we don't. Oh. Uh but the rivalry is what our college football coverage really hinges on. And if one team is just beating the crap out of the other for a decade... It, it gets boring. Actually, 12 years... It gets boring, right? It gets stale. Right. And people don't care anymore and don't want to hear about it. Look at it this way. So it's the like, fact that BYU won, and then I'll let you respond, sure. is good from a selfish standpoint as a sports member, a member of the sports media here, because it keeps... The Super Bowl of sports in Utah interesting. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. It's I, I think of it this way. How many people are sick of LeBron winning? All of us. And and why is that? Because he's won so many times. I mean, there's other reasons, of That's course. Why I hate but, the Patriots. but the fact that they've won and he's won and won yeah. and won and won, you get tired of it. It's kind of like, why even watch if LeBron is just gonna win? I can predict it at preseason. It's how I feel about Marvel movies. Ha! <laughs> Nice tie. I've seen them all. I, I, if you've seen one, you've seen them all. Yeah, and maybe they're always going to end the same way. Eventually, the hero is going to find a way to beat the bad guy. The bad guy escapes because they got to then have him a come back yeah. or seven. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, we were we enjoyed rivalry week. Of course, uh, we've got a big weekend ahead now for the Utes Cougars and the Aggies. The Aggies two and zero. I know. No one saw that coming. Pretty no one cool. really saw BYU coming at two and zero, and B and Utah one and one. There's so. some talk that BYU could make it to four and zero. Yeah, we'll see. Arizona State, I think, uh, yeah, poses that, a lot of problems for BYU. But. but it depends on what game they bring. They could they could do it and could go four and zero. It helps them that they're at home coming off of that really 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 big win last week. So. Yeah, that was pretty emotional. for and them. And the Utes are kind of fighting to prove what they what I still think they can be, and that's a good team. So. I think they're still going to be a good team. I think they just you know got to get the season going well we're not doing any of that today we're nope. talking movies no sports it's movie time and uh we were slated to have 17 new movies this week nothing nothing just you know 17 <laughs> i think weren't we weren't we aiming for like 17 movies yeah because it was there gonna was be 32 in two weeks no i thought it was 22 22 sorry you're right 22 and we did five or six last What's an week, extra so, 10 yeah. when we're talking that many movies well uh there are there's not 17 new movies this week there is 10 new movies this week, which is an all-time movie zone record. So we got to get moving. Let's do it. We got to talk about it. Before we do that, though, it was your turn, Johnny Lightfoot, to uh, send out our Sunday night movie night movie zone movie showdown. Yes, who, it was. Who did you pit against each other and who won? You know, I got to be honest. Um, I put, I, we've been, I've been real vocal about craving a Western, and last week we had a Western open up. This week we have 
kind of a Western opening up with Clint Eastwood and his his movie, uh, Cry Macho, which we'll get to in a second. Spoiler alert. Geez. But um, it's not necessarily a Western. <laughs> it just takes place in that time frame, kind of. It has a cowboy in it. Okay, there we Clint go. Eastwood can do. Yeah. So I put up two of my favorite movies, one being Unforgiven and the other being Tombstone. Yeah, and uh, I thought this was... I when you posted this last Sunday, I thought, wow, we're gonna have a fifty-one forty-nine split here. Yeah, because I, I don't know that I can pick two better westerns in the world. Well, Tombstone is on the lighter side of the two. You know, really? it's, it, well compared to Unforgiven, sure, okay, Unforgiven's right, yeah. pretty dark. All right, anything but, uh, compared to Unforgiven's like a, a, a comedy. Yeah, right. So, and I think that's why Tombstone won with seventy four percent over twenty six for Unforgiven. But I am disappointed in this because I think Tombstone is a great movie, but I don't necessarily know if it's a better movie. I think it's a great movie, and I love watching it, and I will always watch it. But Unforgiven is a pretty deep, dark. Not your typical Western movie, and everyone who really, I, th- I think it does, what I'm trying to say is I think it deserves a second look at that, because I think it's way better than 26% of the vote. Yeah, I was shocked by those results. Shocked. Yeah. I thought we'd have, like I said, a 51-49 split, uh, but I think this is a case of how many times people have watched Tombstone versus how many times they've watched Unforgiven. Well, I can't quote a line out of uh, Unforgiven. And I've seen it a bunch, but I can quote a number of lines out of Tombstone. You can quote, uh, forgiveness got nothing to do with it. Uh, okay, you're right. You're right. There's that. But well, revenge got nothing to do with it. But uh, <laughs> I think, See, I messed it up. But I think Tombstone is, like I said, I think it's the lighter version of the two. And I think it's the one that you will find, again, on TV more than you will Unforgiven. That being said... Give Unforgiven a second shot for all those people who took a, who voted for Tombstone because it's a great movie. It's a really great movie. Yep, for sure. All right. Uh, now I'm really second guessing my quote that I just pulled there, but whatever. There you go. That's the movie zone Sunday night movie night movie zone movie showdown this week. Yep. We'll get to another one this coming Saturday, Sunday, Monday ish. It's either that or the whole world's against me, Austin. And you they just they can't just catch you know, a break. they just know. Well, they Johnny's know you're putting chasing it out. that 50-50 split. They know I'm out, and they're like, well, pff, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's dive into the 10 new movies this week. Now, there are three wider releases that we'll focus on with uh, seven thereafter that are in limited release. But let's start, since you brought it up already, with Cry Macho. Oh, yeah. The latest from Clint Eastwood, who's 106. <laughs> on um, a good day. <laughs> his skin is see-through, like one of those old phones in the 80s. You can see all the gears working inside oh, it. Oh, nice. Uh, he, he mumbles. He no longer talks. He mumbles. Yep. Uh, and he's starring in and directing in Cry Macho, PG-13, Western drama thriller. Mentioned Clint, but also Dwight Yoakam, mm-hmm. Eduardo Manette, and Macho the Rooster. I love that Macho got a credit in this. A one-time rodeo star and washed-up horse breeder, played by Clint Eastwood, takes a job to bring a young man, a man's young son, played by Dwight Yoakam, home and away from his alcoholic mom. On their journey, the horseman finds redemption through teaching the boy what it means to be a good man. Cry Macho, again, rated PG-13, wide release on Friday the 17th at all your local theaters, including Megaplex. Directed by Clint as well. I'm sure you mentioned that. Yeah, um, I, I'll tell you my, my take real quick, John. Sure. It'll be short. Dwight Yoakam's not a great actor. Clint Eastwood is a used-to-be-good actor, and I can't watch him anymore. This is probably a great story. It's going to be, yeah. I wish that, I wish that someone else... Couldn't, have Scott, couldn't Scott Eastwood have played 
the, the main role instead of Clint Eastwood? I think Scotty G could have played <laughs> the main role instead of Clint Eastwood. But hey, it's an Eastwood thrill, Western thriller, so people... Look, there's, there's a buzz about Clint Eastwood. Whenever you see a movie that he's in, it's been like this probably for the last 10 years, maybe since even Million Dollar Baby, it's going, oh... That's going to be a great movie. He directed it. He's acting it. It's going to be a good movie. And most of the time, they're right. This is probably going to be a great movie, but I've got to be honest. I'm tired of seeing Clint Eastwood, and I mentioned this to you, not even wind up just like sucker punch someone like really quick just by lifting his arm and pushing it forward and the guy flies across the room and gets knocked out <laughs> right. now Clint's done that since every which way but loose days right <laughs> and, and it's great but not not the 106 year old Clint Eastwood that being said I will see this movie yeah, it, that stuff worked with Dirty Harry. It doesn't right. really work with... It doesn't work uh, with the old horse breeder here. macho. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, you, said, you said it, though. It's Clint Eastwood Western. You're going to see it. Yeah, of course. I think a lot of people feel that way. I, and you know what? And he's probably going to win awards because they've got to give him something before he, you know, dies. Which, which might be any moment. <laughs> he's looking pretty old. He is. He's still, he's still a national treasure, but man. He's in national treasure? He should have been. <laughs> He was one of the... Uh, never mind. That, by the way, spawned our poll question this week, which will get your responses on air in segment two. Name Hollywood's all-time tough guy. Mm. Can be a character, can be an actor. Name Hollywood's all-time tough guy. Clint Eastwood's got to be up there with the best of them. He plays so. the toughest of tough guys. I've got some answers that we'll get to in segment two as well, but I, I, I think he's definitely up there. You can't see him doing like a romantic comedy. Oh, no way. <laughs> He's a, he plays tough guys. Yeah. That's how it is. All right. So, Cry Macho, PG-13. Tell us about uh, the next one there, John. The next one coming out is uh, Cop Shop. It's a rated R action thriller starring Gerard Butler, Alexis Louder, Frank Grillo, and Toby Huss. This movie actually looks kind of fun to me. Okay. Um, on the run from a lethal assassin, a Willie Kahn artist devises a scheme to hide out inside a small town police station. But when the hitman turns up at the precinct, the unexpecting rookie cop, unsuspecting rookie cop, finds herself caught in the crosshairs. This movie, and I was saying it, we watched the trailer before we came on. It looks a little lethal weapon-esque to me. You've got kind of the crazy Mel Gibson guy. Um, you've got the Joe Pesci character in it. You know, yeah. it 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 looks like a movie we've seen before, but at the same time, it looks really good. Okay, uh, I have a problem with Gerard Butler. Do you really? Yep. Um, and and it's that I think he's terrible. Okay. Um, I I don't really like Frank Grillo. He was in The Purge. I understand he's in one of the Marvel Captain Americas. Mm -hmm. Two of them. Three of them. Uh, which I'm, them. I'm sick and tired of. Alexis Louder, I've never heard of her. And I don't know Toby Huss. But you and I watched the trailer for this moment ago right. before the show began. <clears throat> Correct. And this will either be a flaming pile of burning garbage. <laughs> okay. Or it will be the best movie you see this week at the theaters. It will not be an in-between movie. It won't. It I, will be great or it will be terrible. I think it has aspects of... Lethal Weapons. Okay. I really do. And There's maybe, some similarities. Maybe not the comedic side of it, no. but the kind of psycho cop. You know, the kind of, there's a bad guy trying to kill everybody, like in every cop movie there is. But uh, but it's got some twists that are going to make it a little different. But I think it has, and, and I think Toby is the, the guy that said, oh, look, that the reminds me of the Joe Pesci character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they've got that in it as well. Uh, I'll give this a go, though, because I, I, I'm gambling on it. Okay. But, but the trailer won me over. I think it looks fun. 
I think it is going to be two. I actually like not Gerard. Not funny, but fun. No, fun. I like Gerard Butler. I loved him in the movie Greenland, which just came out not that long ago. Um, I've liked some of his other, older movies. I think he was in, what was it? Uh, ruined P.S. I Love You or I Love You P.S., one of those two. I think yeah, he was sure. in that. Yeah. Uh, How to Catch a Dragon. How to Catch a Dragon? How to Train a Dragon? I like How to Catch a how Dragon. Catch a dragon. <laughs> that sounds like a movie I want to see. <laughs> that's the that's the fourth installment. Yeah. <laughs> so Cop Shop, uh, yeah, I'll give it a go. Could be wrong, but it looks fun. And then finally, wide release. It was originally limited release, but Larry Tissoni with a note here. Uh, this movie will be opening at five locations of Megaplex, Jordan Commons, Thanksgiving Point, Valley Fair, Geneva, and Centerville. The title is The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Oh, yes. You've got to be kidding me. That's Jessica Chastain? Yes. And this is why... That doesn't look anything like Jessica Chastain. Exactly. There's already Oscar buzz for her performance in this movie as Tammy Faye. Andrew Garfield, mm-hmm. Vincent D'Onofrio, who, yep. by the way, is part-time Utah. He has a place here. Uh, an intimate look at the extraordinary rise, fall, and redemption of televangelist Tammy Faye Bakker. Uh, PG-13. Baker. Baker? It's Baker. See, I had a neighbor growing up who spelled it B-A-K-K-E-R, and they were Bakker. Yeah, it's Baker. But they were from, I believe, Norway? You've got Johnny Itis right there. Yeah, well, I think it's actually Bakker, but... Okay. Americans say it Baker. Okay. Anyway, the eyes of Tammy Faye, I don't know anything about her, but apparently... She's a well-known uh, televangelist this? whose husband, her and her husband, had a big church thing, including a theme park. Including a theme park, yeah. She was known for wearing crazy blue eyeshadow and having like this wild makeup always going on and doing the the televangelist thing. This has kind of grown up in my my time. You may be a little late for this, but. This is going to be an Oscar type of movie. At least, uh, I think Jessica Chastain will definitely be nominated for this role. Um, It it may even go farther than that. But this is going to be the sneaky movie of the week. It really is. So, uh, Oscar buzz. I did not realize that was Jessica Chastain. And that's the whole part. You look at it and go, no. Well, but that also, and maybe this is unfair, but there have been times where movies, the really, really good makeup department, and really good wardrobe department, and they make someone look like someone else, mm-hmm. and then the movie is terrible. Yeah, like, I know what you're talking like, about. Like uh, Natalie Portman playing Jacqueline Kennedy. Mm-hmm. Looked, she looked just like her. Looked just like Jacqueline Kennedy. Awful movie. How did you feel about that uh, with uh, Lincoln? Um, well, I'm spacing on his the name. Most boring Daniel movie, Day-Lewis. The most boring, boring of all boring movies. He looked just like him, though. Sure. But, you know, I saw that in the theater, and I, I didn't make it through the whole thing. Yeah, well, how could you? Yeah, I couldn't. You, 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 if there are, that's, that's stronger than euthanasia, that one, movie. One thing that uh, our buddy Larry did say about this movie, he, he screened it, and he said, I could not, I forgot while watching the movie that that was Jessica Chastain. So that speaks to the acting. She fell right into the role, right into the character. So that is a good sign. Yeah. And I trust Larry's judgment on that. So the eyes of Tammy Faye, PG-13 biography drama. Now, some limited releases around the Valley. You've got the R-rated drama called Blue Bayou, starring Justin Sean and Alicia Vikander. From award-winning director and writer Justin Sean, Blue Bayou is the moving and timely story of a uniquely American family fighting for their future, Antonio LeBlanc, a Korean adoptee raised in a small town in the Louisiana Bayou, is married to the love of his life, Kathy, and stepdad to their beloved daughter, Jessie. Struggling to make a better life for his family, he must confront the ghosts of his past when he discovers that he could be deported from the only country he has ever called home. Blue Bayou opens exclusively at the district. Okay. All right. Sure. 
Why not? Sounds like it might be good. I'm going to move on to uh, the Nowhere In okay. comedy drama mockumentary. All right. Sounds like my kind of movie. Starring St. Vincent and Carrie Brownstein. From real life friends, uh, Annie Clark, a.k.a. Grammy award winning recording and touring artist St. Vincent and Carrie Brownstein from Portlandia comes the meta uh, fictional account of two creative forces banding together to make a documentary about St. Vincent's music, touring life and onstage persona. But they quickly discover unpredictably forces, unpredictable forces lurking within subject and filmmaker that threaten to derail the friendship, the project, and the duo's creative lives. This is opening exclusively at the brand new, newly remodeled Gateway. Oh, they're open? Yes, they are. Wow. Well, it's a soft open, but... um, Gotcha. uh, I don't know if they've had their official grand opening, but I've been in there... But anybody can go in there. Anyone can go. Movie? Yeah, you bet Not you can. Invite only. Nope, you can go in, and I got to tell you, it looks awesome. If you go to the Holiday Theater at all, the Holiday Megaplex, it's kind of based on that look. Cool. Uh, I don't know anything about Saint Vincent. I feel so old when these new musicians pop up, and I've never heard of them. Well, it happens. All right. It's called "We Get Old" and you kids and your music today. <laughs> here's a, here's another. Uh, a, this is that was a mockumentary. This one's a documentary. PG thirteen rated called My Name is Polly Murray. Fifteen years before Rosa Parks refused to surrender her bus seat, a full decade before the U.S. Supreme Court overturned separate but equal legislation, Polly Murray was already knee-deep fighting for social justice. A look at the life and ideas of Paula Murray, a non-binary black lawyer, activist, and poet who influenced both Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Thurgood Marshall, opening exclusively at Jordan Commons and the District. This is... What I love about Megaplex when they show documentaries like this. Really eye-opening. Mm-hmm. I've never heard of Polly Murray, and it seems like that's a mistake by all history teachers I've ever had. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'll go see My Name is Polly Murray for sure. All right, moving on to not documentary and not mockumentary. We're getting to The Prisoners of the Ghost Land, a rated R action thriller starring Nicolas Cage. <laughs> I know. Sorry. He's so, gotten to the point where I laugh when I see his name. He's gotten to the point where his favorite movies of mine, he doesn't speak in anymore. <laughs> okay. Starring Nicolas Cage, Sophia Butella, yeah. sure, uh-huh. and Nick Castavetes. Castavetes. Oh, yeah. so close. In the treacherous frontier city of Samurai... T- All right, I'm done. <laughs> no, come on. Samurai read. Town? Can come we, on. Can we come up with a better name? Read it. In us. the treacherous frontier city of Samurai Town, a ruthless bank robber, Nicholas Cage, is sprung from jail by a wealthy warlord, warlord whose adopted granddaughter, Bernice, played by Sophia, has run away, strapped into a leather suit that will self-destruct within five days. <laughs> if he doesn't find the missing girl, the bandit sets off on a journey to find the young woman and his own path to redemption oh. i should have stopped at samurai town <laughs> oh my gosh yeah um what's up with nicholas cage he needs man the money he needs the money i haven't seen sophia butella in something since atomic blonde and she was great in that nick cassavetes was the bad guy in dumb and dumber right uh i don't know what else to tell was he in face off i can't remember. i don't know was he so, but anyway prisoners of the ghost land I told you, I see Nick, Nick Cage's name, and I just laugh and roll my eyes and go, enjoy that one. This movie is opening exclusively at Valley Fair. Um, a leather suit that will self-destruct within five days. Right, I know. I, that, that's, oh. uh, uh, you lost me. It's, I lost myself at Samurai Town. But look, Nicolas Cage, let's be honest, he needs to do National Treasure 3 and then call it a day. Well, up next, 
I have not seen or heard much from this guy in a long time, mm. but I think he's one of the most underrated comedic actors of our time. Justin Long. You remember the, the movie, uh, oh, uh, Accepted? Yeah. Southampton of Institute course. of Technology. Yeah. I love that movie. Uh, he also was in a rom-com that I love that a lot of people didn't like called He's Just Not That Into You. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this one is written and directed by Justin Long. It's a comedy called Lady of the Manor, starring Justin Long, Judy Greer, and Melanie Linsky. Stoner slacker Hannah is hired to portray Lady Wadsworth, a southern belle who died in 1875 in a tour at Wadsworth Manor. Hannah, a hot mess, figures she can fake it until the ghost of Lady Wadsworth actually appears. Lady Wadsworth tells Hannah it's time to change her wild ways, and she'll haunt her until she does. Opening exclusively at Thanksgiving Point, I think this is going to be really sneaky funny. Lady of the Manor. Yeah, I think so too. Judy Greer's kind of goofy. Justin Long's a funny guy. Mm-hmm. This will be good. I, I'm, I'm with you there. Moving on to something that I'm kind of excited about. It's called Best Sellers. It's another comedy that is rated R this time. Oh, so this is the last one. Rated R comedy starring... Michael Kane. Michael Kane. Audrey Plaza. Audrey Plaza. And Gary Ooth. Gary Elwes. Ooth. Ooth. Gary Ooth. (laughs) As you know from uh, The Princess Bride and Men in Tights. Yes, all, all of our favorites. Lucy Strandbridge, played by Audrey Plaza, has inherited her father's publishing house, and the ambitious would be editor has nearly sunk it with failing titles. She, however, discovers she is owed a book by Harris Shaw, played by Michael Caine, a recluse booze-addled author who originally put the company on the map decades earlier. In a last-ditch effort to save the company, Lucy and Harris release his book and embark on a book tour from hell. (laughs) That changes them both in ways they didn't expect, opening exclusively at Cottonwood. This sounds really, really good. Yeah, this could be funny. Audrey is pretty funny. Uh, Aubrey. Aubrey. Did I call her Audrey? Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Aubrey is is quite funny. And Michael Caine does a good job in everything he's in. And watching him play a cantankerous, reclusive, alcoholic book writer, author who doesn't want to write another book. Thanks for saying that word that I skipped over. Cantankerous? Cantankerous. I think this will be really funny. (laughs) I think I agree. And then finally... A rated R drama thriller biography starring Frankie Faison, Steve O'Connell, and Enrico Natale. The Killing of Kenneth Chamberlain. This is a family movie. Yes, for sure. Uh, It's not. The Killing of Kenneth Chamberlain tells the true story of the final hours of the life of Kenneth Chamberlain Sr., an elderly African-American veteran with bipolar disorder, or disorder, excuse me, who was killed during a conflict with police officers who were sent to his home to check on him when his medical alert device was mistakenly activated. Wow. Uh, openly, opening exclusively at Valley Fair, the killing of Kenneth Chamberlain, obviously going to be a, a heart-wrenching uh, tale of a true story. So, to review, the killing of Kenneth Chamberlain, bestsellers, Lady of the Manor, Prisoners of the Ghostland, My Name is Polly Murray, The Nowhere In, Blue Bayou. Those are all limited releases. Check out where they're going to be playing at megaplextheaters.com. But opening widely, The Eyes of Tammy Faye, the PG-13 bio-drama pick starring Jessica Chastain. Uh, It's getting a lot of Oscar buzz. Mm -hmm. Cop Shop, the action thriller, kind of a spinoff takeoff of Lethal Weapon, but without the funny. Could be the second sneaky film this week. And then the Clint Eastwood Cry Macho, which I'm afraid is... Clint Eastwood needs to give it up. Maybe I'm wrong. I wonder who's going to put up a better fight in this movie, Clint Eastwood or The Rooster? 
Oh, the rooster. The rooster? Yeah. Okay. The rooster. The, the rooster has something to live for. <laughs> Sorry. That may be rude to the Eastwoods. All right. Coming up next, because of Clint Eastwood, in my opinion, Hollywood's all-time tough guy. Who is your Hollywood all-time tough guy? Get on Twitter and answer at Austin Horton, at Johnny Lightfoot One, at Zone Sports Net. We'll get your responses up next. We'll also get a lesson in music history with our soundtrack of the week. Stay right where you are. This is the Movie Zone. Locked on to the movie zone with Austin Horton and Johnny Lightfoot on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Welcome back. Segment two here on the movie zone. I'm Austin uh, Horton. That's my name. Thank you. Horton. Who are you? Uh, and he's Johnny Litfoot. <laughs> uh, yeah. We are here each and every week, Wednesday, or excuse me, Thursdays, Saturdays, and Sundays, although it changes from time to time. The time definitely does. Yeah. So sure. find us on 1280thezone.com. Before we reveal, well, you're hearing it, but before we talk about our soundtrack of the week and get a lesson in music history, Johnny. One of the all-time, David Letterman called him a a lifetime Cy Young winner in comedy. I believe it. Norm MacDonald passed away uh, this week at 61 years young after a nine-plus year battle with cancer, which he he battled quietly, privately. Right. Hardly anyone in the world knew he he was battling cancer, uh, and he wanted people to accept him for his comedy and his wares rather than get any sympathy from people because he had cancer. I find that extremely honorable. Me too. Those that choose not to do that, I don't think are in any wrong. No. I just find that extremely cool that he wanted to leave on his terms and didn't want people doting over him. But seriously, one of the funniest people ever in the history of comedy, uh, and by all accounts, a very nice, sweet man. What do you know about Norm MacDonald? I remember him from, uh, obviously, Saturday Night Live, all of his great skits when he would play Burt Reynolds. Yeah, um, yeah you know, Celebrity he would, Jeopardy. Yeah. Yes. Uh, one of my favorite characters, Mr. Ferguson. I'm not going to say the first name on air, but you know who I'm talking Why? about. Why? Can we say Turd? Yeah. We say it all the time. Okay, Turd Ferguson. Turd Ferguson. It's a funny name. Funny name. It's a big hat. It's funny. Love, love him. <laughs> and of course, opinion. And of course, his uh, his work with uh, Adam Sandler in some of his early movies, Bill, Billy Madison and whatnot. So I love him. I've never known him. Actually, I should back up. One of the funniest jokes I've ever heard is the moth joke. Yeah, that's and, been making uh, the rounds on that social make, media. That makes a lot of rounds. And it's not, I guess I should say, it's a shock to me that he died because, as you mentioned, no one knew about his cancer. Um, but it's a, hitting a lot of people really hard and a, yeah. lot, a lot more than I would have suspected originally. I mean, I can't I can't go through my Twitter feed or my Facebook feed without seeing ten different clips from Norm Macdonald. Yeah, and uh, and I I love it. I'm not saying they shouldn't say it. I'm just saying I'm shocked at how much it's actually hit everybody because he wasn't he wasn't a Kevin Hart. He's not an Eddie Murphy. When it, he's not you know those type of comedians when it comes to the Giants, but he was more the underground like amazing comedian. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, and I think. David Letterman said uh, said it perfectly about Norm in in the way that a lot of his jokes, the, his best jokes, fell completely flat. Right. Because people missed 
the delivery because of how he delivered it. You remember his sports show that lasted yes. like an episode? Yes. Hilarious, but no one liked it because they didn't get Norm. David Letterman said, uh, always up to something, but never certain until his matter of fact delivery leveled you. Right. And that was, you never saw Norm McDonald's punchline coming. No. Because of his, his timbre and his cadence and his delivery. Well, I think of the moth joke. As an old joke. shucks guy. Yeah, the moth, the moth joke. He leads you down this path that actually makes you stop listening to the joke. Yes. And then all of a sudden he brings you back in and hits you over the head with the punchline. Yeah, exactly. So 61, way too young for anybody to leave us, especially such a talent and such a star like Norm McDonald. Did you ever watch the show The Middle? I saw it. I never like re- religiously watched it, yeah. but I did see it. Right, well, it means a lot to our family. A okay. lot of our families, we see a lot of my family in that show. Okay. It follows my family very closely. Nice. Uh, but Norm MacDonald played the uh, the uncle on that show for just a handful of episodes, and he was impeccable. He was incredibly funny. And I didn't realize he was the lead writer on Roseanne. I didn't know that, yeah. really. Yeah. So Whoa. Norm MacDonald, one of the greats, gone way too soon. We wanted to pay a tribute to him real quick here. So, Johnny, give us our lesson in music history. Sure. We heard the song coming in, but I wanted to make sure, and you did as well, that we, we said goodbye to Norm here on the show. Yeah, for sure. So we came in with Honeymoon Suites, New Girl Now which a lot of people probably know that song but aren't super familiar with the band. And that's because they didn't really have a huge success commercially as far as radio play goes here. They did more in movies. Okay. But Honeymoon Suite is a Canadian glam band formed in 1981 in Niagara Falls. The band's name is a nod to the fact that Niagara Falls is the unofficial honeymoon capital of the world. Hence, Honeymoon Yeah, Sweet. yeah, yeah, yeah. The band's self-titled album was released June of 1984. The album featured four charting hits in Canada, including the song we just played, New Girl Now. Other hits were Burning in Love, Wave Babies, and Stay in the Light. New Girl Now was also Honeymoon's Suite's first single to reach the top 50 in the United States. Huh. Their follow-up album, The Big Prize, was equally successful in Canada with four more hits Bad Attitude Feel It Again What Does It Take and All Along You Know 88 they released their third album Racing After Midnight which was produced by Van Halen producer Ted Templeton the album made the top 10 can you guess where? in Canada Canada. (laughs) (laughs) but was not as successful in the US the band really as I mentioned they never really hit the fame they deserved in America with radio success however radio what now? success (laughs) however they were more known for being in TV and movie soundtracks Uh, the song What Does It Take reached number 52 because it was in the John Cusack film One Crazy Summer and in 1989 Bad Attitude was featured in the series finale of Miami Vice and also they did the title track for Lethal Weapon which song was composed by Michael Kamen. So they didn't really have success here in the U.S. Big success in Canada, and as you know, all the best Canadians come from... Canada. Thank you. I mean, try to to argue that, you can't. You can't argue that. All of our best Canadians come from Canada. But if you haven't heard Honeymoon Suite, I'm surprised you haven't heard New Girl now, but they're worth checking out. They're still out touring, they're still doing their thing, but again, never reached that mainstream success here in uh in in the states speaking of comedians in canada norm mcdonald from quebec city that's right uh i'm sure he knew of honeymoon suite i don't he probably owned a few of their records uh honeymoon suite is a better name for a song than a band i would i would have advised them to pick a different yeah it never really had that that great name that stuck with you honeymoon suite oh okay sure yeah yeah so uh but hey 
Honeymoon Suite, our lesson in music history, soundtrack of the week being Lethal Weapon. Mm -hmm. And why is that our soundtrack of the week? Well, look, we're going to give it away. Normally we don't, but because of Lethal Weapon, there's been so many like nods to Lethal Weapon this week. Why not? Yep. There's something that you could draw a similarity between... Almost all of the releases this week and Lethal Weapon. You could. Uh, one of the seven Lethal Weapons. Yeah, there's been How a many lot. are there? Four, Four, actually. Yeah, all right. Okay, uh, but it's your time to shine now. There are tough guys in Lethal Weapon. That's for Danny Glover could be an answer yeah. to our poll question this week. I'm too old for this. <laughs> Name us Hollywood's all-time tough guy. On Twitter, at Austin Horton, at Johnny Lightfoot1, at Zone Sports Net. This because Clint Eastwood, who would be my answer, has a movie out called Cry Macho. But it's actually a tough guy learning how to be softer. Yeah, so, I agree with that. Uh, ironically, our guy Ben Coombs says there's a lot of really good stories of toughness, but I'm going to go with Gordon Monson's golf buddy Sylvester Stallone. He's pretty tough. <laughs> what he went through in those Rocky movies was legit. Dolph Lundgren literally put him in the hospital while shooting Rocky Four, and I love the idea or the the, the truth behind Sly Stallone that he sold everything to his name. To get Rocky made. Including his dog. G right. Gambled completely on himself. Mm -hmm. One and, best picture that look year. what it did. Best yeah. picture. And he yep. bought his dog back. He did. He then went and got his dog back. Lundy. Alex Lundberg says, Bruce Lee. I mean, he beat Chuck Norris. Mm -hmm. So that's a good argument. But there's another great one, too. Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris would be a great Hollywood uh, tough guy. Uh, <laughs> this from Kirk. A gift from, uh, uh, well, why did I just space the name of this movie? Oh, Die Hard. Oh, Best Bruce Willis. Christmas movie of all time. Yeah. Best Christmas movie. Uh, and his character, John. John McClane. John McClane. Yeah. Welcome to the party, pal. Yep. Uh, Jessica says, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, he can never lose. Okay. It's true. He never loses except in that movie where he was the Scorpion King. Except where he lost. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Tim. Uh, goes with uh, Danny McBride's character in Pineapple Express. Nobody can touch him. <laughs> uh, John Wayne, Charles Bronson, or Clint Eastwood, says Brent. Didn't think of Charles Bronson. Charles Bronson's a good choice. Nancy, there are a lot of Hollywood tough guys, so I'm going to go with Hollywood's all-time tough girl, Gal Gadot. Before she was cast as Wonder Woman, she served in the Israel Defense Forces for two years as a combat trainer. But she said Wonder Woman prep was way more intense than her military training. <laughs> that's funny, uh, and that's a good that's a that's a good poll. Uh, Gal Gadot is a tough girl. Uh, her characters are tough. I would throw uh, Wonder Woman, in, or not one. So that is Wonder Woman. Captain Marvel. I'd throw okay Captain Marvel in there as a as a tough girl. And then uh, Mama Haas says, "Yep, that one, punk." In reference to the gif I included from uh, Cool Hand Luke. There you uh, go. With Clint Eastwood. So, Hollywood's all-time tough guys. Thanks for playing along. We'll have a, another poll question for you next week. Johnny, do you have an answer? I am. I'm going to go a little different than most. Uh, I'm going to go with Steve McQueen. Wow. Bullet. Mm -hmm. The Great Escape. Yep. Oh, man. That's a good poll. Uh, I'll give you a character. Okay. Maybe the all-time Hollywood tough guy character. I don't think it can be beat. Like, if we were doing a March Madness bracket... Of Hollywood tough guys. Okay. Ca characters only, not actors. Characters only. No one can beat this guy. Who is it? Except for his children. You're talking about Darth Vader. I'm talking about Lord Darth yeah, Vader. Yeah, you are. The Lord of Darkness. Okay. Darth freaking Vader. Okay. No no hesitancy to kill anybody at no, any time. No, he just wiped them all out. Yep. Tough guy. 
It's a good pick. Can't get to him unless you use his children. But not necessarily the actor who played him, David Prowse. What do you mean? He's not necessarily a tough guy, the actor who played Darth Oh, man, he rests peacefully, you know, yes. uh, and he didn't get his due. No. They, they James Earl Jones, him. not necessarily a tough guy? Yeah, uh, and James Earl Jones did the voice, obviously, but not they, right. when they when they took his helmet off. They replaced David Prowse after Prowse had shot the scenes. I know. And didn't tell him. That was dirty. Way to go, Lucas. George Lucas, you fool. All right, coming up next, we'll wrap up this week's edition of the Movie Zone with a From the Archives. We take a look at known, unknown, and little-known facts about a movie that is 10 years old or older. Johnny gave you a hint what we'll be talking about with our soundtrack of the week. If you missed it, we'll tease it like that. Okay. Stay tuned. I like it. Uh, that was a lethal tease if I ever heard one. Yes. I've got a lot of weapons. Wow. And I use them uh, at, Lethally. My, at, my, at my leisure. <laughs> Too old for this. All right, coming up next <laughs> here on the Movie Zone. No one outside can understand to take your You're locked on to the Movie Zone with Austin Horton and Johnny Lightfoot on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Welcome back. Segment three of the Movie Zone. This is Johnny Lightfoot. Over on the other side, Austin Horton. Hello. And of course, Lethal Weapon. We gave it away in the last segment, but hey, and the first segment, really, if you want to get down to it, we've just talked about it the whole dang show. Now, tougher guy, uh, uh, Glover's uh, character, what's his name? Uh, I don't know. What, what what's, um, the, what's his name in Lethal Weapon? I don't remember. Uh, Murtaugh. 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 Or yeah. uh, 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 Riggs, played by Gibson. Riggs. Riggs is the tougher of the yeah. two. See? Okay. All Murtaugh yeah. wanted to do was retire, and he kept getting pulled back in. That's, yeah, but he was tough to get through it all. He got pulled in for four movies, and all he had to do was retire. <laughs> all right. I just wanted to ask that with our poll question. You were probably right. Riggs is probably the tougher. Well, he was the crazier one. Oh, yeah. For yeah, sure. He was a Green Beret. Uh, that's right. So, All right. Well, Tell right. us about Lethal Weapon. 1987's Lethal Weapon, directed by Richard Donner, starring, of course, Mel Gibson, Danny Glover, Gary Busey. Yeah. Uh, Mitchell Ryan and Darlene Love. Yes, the singer Darlene Love. Okay. We're talking about the original now, not two, three, or four, which had well, the TV show. Right. Not that TV awful. show. I haven't even watched that, but not the ones that had the Joe Pesci's in it. This was the very first one. Rated R with a runtime of one hour and 49 minutes, a budget of $15 million and a worldwide gross of $120 million for just this one show. Okay. Rotten Tomatoes, 80% critics, 86% fans. I would agree with that. This, of course, movie spawned four other franchise film, films, including adding Joe Pesci for two of the movies. The four films grossed almost half a billion in sales. If you want the actual number, it's 487637225 million dollars. That's the four lethal weapons all combined? All four of them combined. Just box office or all? Just, that's worldwide. Wow, wow, crazy. Now, by today's numbers, that's not crazy numbers, uh, but... For a movie that came out in 87 to ninety mid-90s, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, uh, you're not going to believe this, but Leonard Nimoy, yes, Spock himself, Spock. was one of the choices considered for directing, but he felt uncomfortable doing action movies and chose to continue to work on Three Men and a Baby instead <laughs> of Lethal Weapon. Wait, Leonard Nimoy's in Three Men and a Baby? No, he directed it. Oh, okay, okay. okay yeah. Okay, okay. That's, I was like, wait a second. I missed that. Okay. 
This movie was the first movie to show a modern cell phone. It was a portable Radio Shack Model 17-1003, launched around 1986, of course, which was uh, right close to the, the, the release date of this film in 87. But this was officially the first movie to show a modern cell phone in it. Really? Yeah. Huh. That kind of crazy. Interesting. Now, Mel Gibson turned down starring roles in 1986's The Fly and 1987 The Untouchables. Was he going to play The Fly? Yeah, instead, instead of, of uh, Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, huh. to to do this movie. Now, I I think that was a smart choice, not just for Mel, but it really helped Jeff Goldblum's career as well. Goldblum's nothing without The Fly. Jurassic Park never happens if without The Fly. Anyway. Okay. Now stick. Now stick with me on this one. This one gets a little confusing. Mel Gibson and Bruce Willis were considered for each other's roles in 1987's Lethal Weapon and 1988's Die Hard. Okay. So, Bruce Willis would have been in Lethal Weapon, Mel Gibson would have been in Die Hard. Willis would have played Riggs. Right. And Gibson would have played... Uh, McClane. McClane. Both movies were produced by Joel Silver with music by Michael Kamen. Will Willis was offered the role of Martin Riggs but turned it down, and a year later he did Die Hard. Gibson was considered to play John McClane along with his co-stars from The Expendables, Harrison Ford, Sylvester Stallone, and Arnold Schwarzenegger, all turned down <laughs> that movie to be in Lethal Weapon. Wow. Coincidentally, the script for Die Hard with a Vengeance, which came out in 1995, was briefly considered to be filmed as another Lethal Weapon sequel. Maybe Lethal Weapon 5. But they changed it? They changed it ah. and made it for Die Hard. Huh. Die Hard. So there's that nice little connection between those two. Well, they do seem like similar in genre, similar in category, similar in even how they're made. Right. Both done by Joe Silver, you said? Mm -hmm. so. Well, you know, and uh, Bruce Willis at the time of doing Die Hard was not an action star. Remember, I think he had that show Moonlighting. Uh-huh. And, you know, and when and Die Hard first came out, people were like, laughed at it. They thought it was hilarious to see uh, Bruce Willis as this big action star who was this kind of guy, crazy guy on Moonlighting. Uh -huh. So they didn't take very serious. But yet, funny, he's one of the biggest action stars, including The Expendables. He, so, yeah, he and Tom Hanks kind of had a same similar career arc. They started as the goofy, lovable, yes. funny guy. Yes, and then got more serious. I think Bruce didn't get as serious as uh, Tom Hanks, and uh, definitely with the action way. Yeah, Bruce and of course, got, uh, typecast. The, gold, the Golden Statues proves that as well for Tom Hanks. Yeah, yeah. He has a lot more than Bruce Willis, but Bruce Willis is still one of my all-time favorite. However, I can't picture him in Lethal Weapon. No, and I can't picture Mel Gibson as John uh, McClane. No. No, they're both, they took those roles that really made their careers and they made the right choices or the director made the right choices. Yeah. Wow. All right. There, wait, I keep saying Riggs. Was it's, Martin, it, it's Martin Riggs. Yeah. Murtaugh yeah. was Danny Glover's character. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's uh, clearly been a long time since I saw Lethal Weapon. And you know what? I've never seen any of the sequels. I got to be honest. I debated about doing uh, Lethal Weapon 3 instead uh -huh. of Lethal Weapon. I think that's actually a better movie. That's what a lot of the online forums claim. Mm -hmm. I, like I said, I haven't seen any of the sequels. So. Three and four are great. Two, two's pretty good, but it's just kind of a lesser version than one. One, I think when one came out, it was not necessarily as good of a movie as it turned out to be. But uh, three, when they brought Joe Pesci in and, you know, as Leo gets. Yeah. 
you know, it, it just really made made the whole series. Which uh, I've seen clips of him as Leo gets, but you need to it. see it. You I need really to watch do. At least lethal weapon. Just two. start at just start at three. Just start Skip right two. Just, no. Yeah, one and two. They they find the bad guy. They kill the bad guy. Riggs is crazy. There you go. Movie's over. All right. Hey, that's gonna do it for this week's edition of the Movie Zone. Ten movies out there for you to see that are new this week, including the big three. Uh, that we talked about at the beginning of the show, Cry Macho with Clint Eastwood, Cop Shop with Gerard Butler, and The Eyes of Tammy Faye, which is getting Oscar buzz, starring Jessica Chastain, Andrew Garfield, and Vincent D'Onofrio. Mm-hmm. Let's do it again next week, Johnny. What do you say? I say it just depends on what happens. Okay. <laughs> you know, we're taking a day at a time. <laughs> no, we are going to definitely do it next week, and we're going to bring you a bunch of new movies, and maybe we'll get even some more throwbacks. that we. Maybe we'll go a little deeper into the week. We've kind of been hovering around that 80s, 90s throwbacks. Maybe we're going to go deeper next week. We'll bring you, uh, we did the Ten Commandments a long time ago. So we went all the way the back oldest, to the beginning of life. That was the oldest one we've done. Well, yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Uh, we'll see what it is in the next week. He's Johnny Lightfoot. I'm Austin Horton. We'll be back next week on The Movie Zone.